okay, this is happening. Can I be with this? Can I be here? Can I be just with life as it's happening and not running away from it and not Mm. just spending all my energy wishing it was different? Welcome to the Relational Parenting Podcast. I'm Jennifer Hayes, a parent coach and 20-year childcare veteran. Each week, I sit down with my own father, Rick Hayes, and discuss the complicated issues that parents face today, as well as some of the oldest questions in the book. From the latest research and the framework of my relational parenting method, we offer thought-provoking solutions to your deepest parenting struggles. Added bonuses include intergenerational wounding discussions and guest childcare experts. We will also start taking your parenting questions in episode five. So be sure to comment with your biggest questions or email me directly at Jenny at JennyB.co. Let's get started. Yael Shai is the CEO of Mindfulness Consulting LLC, where she teaches and consults on mindfulness for universities, corporations, and private clients around the world. She is the author of the award-winning book, What Now? Meditation for Your 20s and Beyond, and the founder of Mindful NYU, the largest campus-based mindfulness initiative in the U.S. She is adjunct faculty at the Institute for Jewish Spirituality, or HALEV, as well as at New York University. She has been featured on Good Morning America, CBS, Fox 5 News, and in Time Magazine and the Harvard Business Review. Thank you for letting me know that, Yael. Um, Okay. We are live, friends and family. Welcome back to the Relational Parenting Podcast. Um, so, um, we are here with, um, Yael Shai and she is a meditation teacher, a mindfulness coach. Um, she's an author, uh, she's a mom and I'm sure so many other hats, um, that you wear. And I am just so excited that you are here today. Uh, the conversation that you and I had, um, a couple months ago when we were discussing the podcast was just so like, I felt so at peace after talking to you. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And I just like, you're just a very like soothing person in my experience. So, um, but anyway, let's find out more about you. Tell us about you. um, What are you up to right now? And uh, let's talk about all of this mindfulness stuff and how it, how it, um, how it has affected your parenting. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, both of you, for having me here today. Um, It's a very, these are subjects that are very close to my heart. Um, So a little bit about me. I live in Connecticut. I have, I'm a new transplant here. So yeah, Um, I have two children, two boys, they're six and five. And I am, have been a meditation teacher and consultant and coach for about 15 years. Um, I worked previously at New York University for a long time, um, for over a decade, where I ran their spiritual life center and I founded and ran the um, mindfulness center there. And in 2020, I started my own company called Mindfulness Consulting. And from there, I run classes, I run group coaching programs, and I do consulting for organizations and institutions. And um, and yes, I have a book called What Now? Meditation for Your 20s and Beyond. Beautiful. Cool. 
I saw the that, I saw the blurb about uh, you know, I think it was on Amazon about Mindful N NYU being the uh, longest running campus based mindfulness initiative. And I was going to ask you about that. That's pretty, you know, that's one of the differences between the East Coast and and uh, the flyover states. <laughs> There's all this cool stuff going on in New York City and that kind of thing. And, and now, thirty years later, we're finding out about it in. Central Illinois. <laughs> yes. No, it's definitely sweeping the country. Um, cool. And I, it, it is what we believe to be the largest initiative. I don't know okay. that it's the longest running. Uh, okay. Maybe that's it. Okay. You know, who knows? I'll claim it if that's true. <laughs> right? It is now because it's on the internet. <laughs> right. Yeah. You heard it here. <laughs> <laughs> Take it. So when you and I talked, Yael, you said that um, you had this like really deep, really um, ingrained meditation practice and mindfulness practice, and that when your kids came along, it kind of turned life upside down, which I'm sure most, if not all parents would say the same thing, that every, whatever their life was before kids was completely turned on its head. Um, I would love to know more about how you navigated that especially with like the, I know that meditation is so, it can be so grounding and so integrating and, and it help you really like approach life in a calm, peaceful way. Um, I'm curious of what that journey, that transition looked like for you. Ah, yeah. It's funny. Cause, um, you know, you said that sweet thing about that. You felt calm after we talked, but yeah. my inner experience for most of my life is not calm. It is <laughs> like, I found meditation because I was like anxious off the charts, anxiety. Oh, yeah. And, uh, so it's learned not innate. Very that's, a good, much. That's, a, that's a good story. There's hope for the rest of us. Yeah. Not yeah. only is it learned, but I don't even know that like, I think it's my personality type that is anxious and fidgety and, mm. you know, grasping. And so I, I think that mine, like I, I found meditation because I was really suffering from a lot of things okay. Um, okay. and it helped me so much. And then when I had kids, um, I, yeah, it, it was like a, just a complete rupture of the person that I was. And then it became like this new person. And I, it took me years. It feels like to like kind of learn who this new person was Mm -hmm. in relationship to the kids and my body and my partner and life. And so, um, so yeah, the the meditation practice I had was about a different kind of a a stage of my life. And it took me a lot of time to be like, okay, how does this help me here? What is this for here? Mm. Even if the basic principles are the same. Yeah. That's what did you, sorry, go ahead. That's, that's okay. Um, that's amazing. And I, I think that there's, it's, I think it's funny that, you know, let's see, I'm tripping all over my words. I think the people who are anxious, who are naturally have anxiety or depression or other, um, mental health struggles or, um, you know, have just general struggles earlier in life tend to seek these things out for themselves. Uh, and then, and then we, because I, I, 
mirror your experience, Yael, um, in searching for these healing modalities, um, we then become the teachers who continue spreading the message of the healing and the integration and all of those things. Um, Mm -hmm. So how did you, how did you transform? Like, how did you, did you come back to your practice? Did it look completely different? Was it at a different time of day? Was it just when you could fit it in? Did you meditate with your boys eventually? Like what did, how did that, how did it evolve? Yeah. I think in the very early years, it became more of like, the basic part of what the practice, the meditation practice became was how can I make room for these changes and feelings and whatever is happening in the moment at that time, which was total chaos in my experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) How can I just stop fighting, like adding more resistance to, you know, what was happening? And, um, And sometimes, you know, what was happening in those moments were sometimes like exquisitely incredible and sometimes extremely painful and uh, like level five torture of not sleeping for, you know, Mm. two weeks or something. And so it really like all formal practice went out the window in those very early years. And it became much more Mm. about like, okay, this is happening. Can I be with this? Can I be here? Can I be just with life as it's happening and not running away from it and not Mm. just spending all my energy wishing it was different? And then gradually, like all the logistical pieces of formal meditation practice, I was able to find my way to. It still doesn't look like it did when I was younger. Like when I was younger, I would, every chance I got probably about once a season, I would go on like a five, a seven or two week long meditation retreat where that's all I did for the entire period of time with teachers all across the country. I didn't care. And I'm not (laughs) fancy free anymore at this stage. So I don't get to do many retreats, but, um, Mm. and I also can't practice when I want, whenever I want. Some people talk about practicing with their kids. It is not happening for me. My kids are like, Taking things yeah. apart, making yeah. noises. Four, <laughs> four or five. That's yeah. Getting them to sit down. We did a little bit of teaching of kids with karate, and yeah. uh, you, you had to be a little older than that to stand still and be disciplined. And yeah, I, right. uh, meditation. Yeah, yeah, that would be tough with wee ones. <laughs> how much of the the? I know you already talked about this, but I wonder how much of the karate and um, martial arts is you know, in, infuses within it a kind of a mindfulness practice. It does. It does. You, it uh, does. It's uh, it's really all internal, the external. And, and we were by no means, you know, 10th degree black belts. You know, we got to like purple belt, which was like three, three away from your black belt, three belts in our two. style. And two. Now there's three brown belts in our style. We were just about to go up for our brown, first brown belt review. We, we would have been brown belts, but but circumstances intervened. But there was a lot of uh, yeah, the 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 training and the discipline and uh, and all that. That's all about building your inner self, you know, mm. not so that you don't need to fight. It's not really. It's it's very uh, spiritual, you know. We didn't really get into Buddhism, but it's uh, it's very internal if you're doing it right. You know, we did. A, we did right a little bit. We learned. We learned the eightfold path and the four. Mm-hmm. Um, we learned. Noble we truths. did. 
the Four Noble Truths, we did dip into uh, some Buddhism. And I didn't know at the time that it was Buddhism. I thought it was just a karate philosophies. Um, mm-hmm. And I, when I studied mm-hmm. religions later, I, le- I was like, oh, I know this. I, like, I, I know this. I learned this when I was 10. <laughs> I had memorized this. <laughs> uh, I had to memorize this. Yeah. I was tested on this. Um, so there was, you know, in the Eightfold Path and the Four, the four Noble Truths became almost mantra-like for us um, yeah. in how we yeah. conduct. Like they would be woven. The concepts would be woven into the class. They hung on the walls on these really like cool scrolled you know, written in Japanese, um, posters and stuff. Uh, and so there was an, and like self-discipline and really knowing like it was drilled into us to not ever use this training to harm someone. It was only for self-defense. Boy, boy, if you get in a fight, you better have a good reason and they have a mm-hmm. scar to show for it, <laughs> you know. It's like, yeah. no, walk. This is so you can, you know, you punch them and run away. You know? yeah. <laughs> don't, don't be out there. That's a, that's a real good observation, though. Have you, do you, have you had some exposure with people in your martial arts or something like that to, to look um, at the spiritual side of it? I'm very interested. My son took like, I don't know. He lasted like maybe three months of karate. Um, yeah, I think that's- I'm hoping he goes back because. I think it's just beautiful, and I do think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, the principles are all there. It's challenging. It's challenging. It's a it's a good growth thing. You know, you you learn uh, as a group, and then then in, in our it's all about the instructor. You got to find the right instructor, the right school. Yes. You know, it, it's like a counselor or something. Yeah, you, you know, the first one doesn't always fit. Yes, yes. Keep trying. Keep trying. That's right. They will. I love that. How do you, so, I mean, other outside of um, like literally sitting in meditation with two young boys, which is impossible. Um, yeah. Do you weave <laughs> really. your, right. Well, I think it's impossible for most people. I've, I've been yeah. successful in short snippets meditating with children, but like it's, you got to give them something to do. It can't just be a silent meditation. It's got to be kind of a guided yes. meditation. Um, but how, how does your mindfulness practice weave into your parenting? What are some of the things that, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. that are like your big, you and, and your partners, like big values for, um, for raising kids and how to address things like big emotions and thought processes. And when things like when he quit karate, what was that conversation like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is, this is really like a big place of growth and learning. I mean, when you talk about where my practice is, like it's, it's much more than taking a meditation practice and pasting it on my life as a mother. Yeah. That's not how it is. It's much more like this, these explosions of difficult, complicated things are happening in, as a mother and mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, this is the site of my practice right now. Mm-hmm. Figuring mm. this out is like all of the practice. So, so for me, for instance, um, we have a son that is, he's not the karate one because he refused to even try karate. Mm. He's the younger one and he is a big feeler, big, big, big. Mm. 
very mm-hmm. kind of super sensitive to the world and um, hmm. thankfully seems to be kind of learning self-regulation tools just by virtue of growing up. But even like one year ago, maybe even eight months ago, um, he would just have these epic, epic meltdowns and very rigid and didn't like Mm -hmm. when things were changed on him. Mm. And it would be like explosive and very um, jarring and and hard for the whole family. And I had to like, and we did this sort of with the help of coaches and some of the teachers at his school. We were like, what do we do? And Hmm. their advice to us really came back to stuff that has been helpful for me in my own meditation practice, which is, can you sit in the middle of the storm of that Mm -hmm. total crazy tantrum meltdown and, and not run away and not need to stop it? Yeah. Just be able to be like, like I had a coach that said, like, imagine it's kind of like a plumb line that you're dropping deep, deep, deep into yes. the earth. Be mm-hmm. able to be there, like, no matter what, and just you're let the tree. You're the tree in the wind. Yeah, exactly. Reminds and, me of the term grounding. You know, you're you're getting attached to, to something steady. Hmm. Yes. Yes. Exactly. And it doesn't mean like you're giving him what he wants. And it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you have to shut his thing down. Mm-hmm. It's right. just to be this loving presence in the middle of it. And so it's that, that was huge. And it was like a real place of practice. Like I was like, here we buckle up. We're here. <laughs> and another part of that has been as part of those, like withstanding the tantrums. Another thing I learned was to kind of look him in the eye and be like, look at me when he was kind of flailing. Like he, it really looks like a scared animal, you know, when this is happening, total dysregulation. And I say things like, look at me. And when he finds my eyes, like eventually, and then I was like, this is really hard, but we're going to get it together. Yeah. So it's like validating. I didn't make this up. This came from like Dr. Yes. Yeah, it's not, it's not for me. Who did you but, talk to? Because I don't hear this from anybody. Nobody has these this these two things, like sitting in the storm. So without yeah. having to fix it or run away from it, just be with the storm yeah. of your child's right. emotions. And then the second step and skill in that is validating the experience. This is really hard and you're not alone. That's or right. we're in this together. Like yeah. those two things, if anyone takes anything from this podcast ever, <laughs> I don't care what la- the last episode say. I don't care what future episodes say. If you can take those two skills to your mm-hmm. children right now, you will change the yeah. course of their life. Those are kind of pillars. That's <laughs> cool that you, that you, you, you know, you had some of this and you, and then you figured out how to apply, applied mindfulness. You know, you figured out how to apply it. We've, we've talked before on the podcast about, yeah, parenting is dynamic and, you know, things change and it's going by so fast. You don't have time to sit and think and go check the book for what you read last month. You know, it's very, very uh, immersive and interactive. And to be able to take take this skill, this mindfulness practice and, and use it and apply it in, uh, in, oh gosh, 
I'm thinking of kid tantrums, how stressful that is. That's yeah. just, that's, that's just, that's just marvelous. You know, that's really great. Thank you. I mean, it's kind of like similar to how I started meditating. It's like in desperation, like we tried everything. <laughs> That's right. And then, all right, here we go. But it's That's... teaching me so much about myself, even. Like, yeah. can yeah. I say that? For, can I do that for myself? Can I hold my own feelings with yes. that, with compassion? And, you know, with That's like, the test, love. isn't it? You know, yeah. that's the modeling it. Am I am I talking about it or this skill, or am I uh, modeling it? Am I am I embodying it? Uh, is the the word in the the notes here? I saw this. Oh know, man, I thought I that was just a coincidence. I was like, ah, that's one of her words. Yeah, no, I decided I better fess up to that because I knew I'd get a question. Where did you come up with that word? I just read I just read your notes a couple minutes ago. Sorry, I stole your word. That was a good word. <laughs> No, that's right. That's exactly what it's about. But that's yeah, yeah. It's that's that's hard and and under fire. You know, you're in the middle. You're in the middle of it, and to bring it to somebody else, you know, yeah. yay, parent, good parenting skills, yeah. getting out of your own head, not reacting, not fixing, rescuing, and protecting. Mm. Yeah, outstanding. Mm. And it's just, you know, it takes so much practice. And it's funny because this child is definitely like more just classically challenging than our other one. Mm -hmm. But the other one's um, emotions are so much more of a trigger for me because he mm -hmm. is more like me. Um, like mm -hmm. I have, have been very taught to be very um, compliant. Like yeah. I'm not as, so I, so I probably wouldn't have the space to be this like wild thing that my younger one is, but the older one has like anxieties and fears and like nightmares. And he's just uh -huh. kind of like has all that stuff that uh -huh. I see in myself. And that's much harder in my yeah. experience. Yeah. Yeah. How to reassure. Yeah. And it, your parenting is tough. It'd be nice if all children were exactly alike, you know, it's not, it doesn't <laughs> never happens that way. You know. Right. And like each one needs such different things and triggers different things. And it's, that's where, that's what I mean. It's like, it's all back like a, a mirror on yourself of like, where yeah. do you need to accept So the one well, thing, how do you, that's okay. Go ahead. Yeah, how do you how do so how does it different with the you know the the more reactive one versus the the quieter anxious one how do how do you do, deal with the uh, quiet anxious one yeah so yeah just like even thinking about it it's so much harder for me but how i'm learning to deal with it is um trying to so my first instinct when he comes to me with like one of these, like, ah, I'm so scared. I'm so scared. Like there's so many things to be scared of or like whatever he's scared of, like monsters. Yeah. My sure. first instinct is to be like, there's nothing to be scared of. You're safe. You're fine. Like in yeah. other words, shut it down. Yeah. Because it's triggering to me. Yeah. And so I have to watch myself and be like, okay, you don't have to shut this down. And to be able, just like with my other son, like to validate not that there's something to be scared of, but that he feels scared and that, that it is scared, like yeah. a human thing to feel. Yes. And so I have to be much more aware of that desire to like get rid of it. Or like you said, like to solve it or fix it. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, um, 
you know, when I was younger and even now, sometimes I also was really scared of monsters, you know, like I'm trying to kind of give him that context so he doesn't feel bad about being scared. And he loves when I was younger stories. Yeah. Very, very helpful. Okay. And I, seeing, I think like seeing that in yeah. someone else, especially a, someone they love and trust, like a parent figure is so healing to some or, or so mm. reassuring to like, okay, I'm not crazy. Like yeah. this is normal. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> yeah. that's right. That's right. About anything. Like they love to hear it. And that, and then I think, you know, I, there's all these kinds of techniques that I've tried about, like, um, I heard that you're supposed to say like, okay, this, this is worry voice. Can we be quiet, quiet down worry voice or like, you know, somehow differentiate it, unblend it from themselves, their self-conception. Um, but honestly, I'm not so good. I'm still trying to figure this out because I'm (laughs) I'm trying to figure it out for myself and it's just not, it's not easy for me. That I think, I think that most parents are probably sitting there going, uh, yeah, like it's hard. It's so hard. And I think that part of the, the gift, like, I think we get the children that we get because we are meant to serve them and their life path and their karma and their journey, like, and where they're meant to be and who they're meant to be in some way. They are also here to heal us, to help us to Mm -hmm. like at whatever age you have children, the like you're going to get the children that are here to heal whatever you haven't healed yet. And so every Mm -hmm. all those little all those triggers, all the, the anger, frustration, anxiety and overwhelm, all those big feelings that you have with your kids, Mm -hmm. that is not an indicator that your children are doing something wrong. That is an indicator that they are pushing that button because there is something in you, you have not dealt with. That's right. That's right. Yeah, children, children really can't do anything wrong. They're just being children. Right. They're testing They're the fences. Do, yeah. You know? yeah. Being kids. My husband is a um, psychologist and he, he learned in one of his trainings where he was like, um, whatever is in the parents' basement is in the mm. child's front yard. Oh, I love that. Oh, I got to write that one down. I love that. <laughs> I think about it all the time. It's definitely the case when I think that about it. That might my be the kid. title of this podcast. <laughs> that might be the title of this episode. Wow. I hope I get to come back, reincarnate, and I'm, I'm either going to be a lawyer or a psychologist the next time. <laughs> Learn stuff like that. That is great. Isn't that, isn't that true? And it yeah. just, they're showing up like you, exactly like you said, Jennifer, like this is what is yours to work through. Yeah. And that's, and the, the trauma that we're trying to prevent, the emotional trauma that we're trying to prevent here with, with everything, with the podcast, with my company is that like the pair, like people will cling to what's in their basement. They will cling to their pain. They will cling to their trauma. They will cling to their right. I had, I actually had this thought the other day. Um, and it's a, it's a hazing metaphor, um, from college. Mm -hmm. Uh, like when you go into a, not so much with sororities, but definitely in fraternities, there's 
there's still hazing. Anyone who thinks there isn't is fooling themselves. They get <laughs> hazed. It's awful. They make them do really terrible things. Um, at least the canvas that I was on. So hazing where you have to prove incoming freshmen or sophomores have to prove themselves worthy of getting into the fraternity. I mean, and this could even translate into gang culture where they have to do something to get into the gang. And it's usually like a horrendous crime of some kind. Um, but the, but the thought that I had to prove their loyalty, right. Um, and so the thought that I had was when we parent through our trauma, when we parent through our pain, we are literally doing the same thing to our children that our parents did to us and the mm. same thing that their parents did to them and the same thing that their parents. And it's literally a hazing of initiation into adult, into adulthood of like, you have mm. to achieve this. You mm-hmm. have to be like this. You have to behave like this. You have to hide your emotions. You have to get straight A's. You have to like check these boxes in order to be worthy of, an, of being mm. an adult or of being in our family, or of being worthy of love, either from us or from your friends or from a partner in the future. Mm -hmm. Like, it's literally hazing. We haze our children. And it's such a harsh word. It's a a set of expectations. It's not unconditional love, like we we talk about. It's you have to behave. Here's how you have to behave to be part of this tribe, this part of this social unit you know gangs will do that just so they have something it's a matter it's a matter matter of control too you know because then they have pictures of you stealing a car or killing someone or yeah you know, collateral heinous. and so it's like you are ours now baby you know and yeah. doing that to kids with performance i had never thought of it that way before but absolutely mm. yeah it came to me the other day when i was doing the dishes <laughs> came to me <laughs> in the soapy water. And I guess the question is like if that's the case you know why what how what is the feeling of breaking that kind of generational trauma? Mm-hmm. What do you lose by by interrupting that? Because I think yeah. yeah, I think so too. And maybe some loyalty, like some connection mm-hmm. that you had to your parents. Yeah. Um, and it's it's kind of like disloyal in some ways to kind of break those habits or patterns in families. Yeah. Especially if yeah, you're around curses. Especially if you're around extended family who and it and I'm not even talking about like deep abuse where you've like completely completely mm-hmm. um separated from your from your nuclear family of when you were growing up. Like it's as simple as my mom isn't isn't speaking to my or or saying something to my child that I that is against my parenting value. The the mm-hmm. need for me to play referee, to have to call my mom out or or you know, and it doesn't have to be mean. It can just be kindly. Like we really don't talk want to talk about food like that with. And this is a I don't have children yet. This is not a real example. <laughs> saying yeah. Um, we don't talk to we don't want to talk to our kids like that about food because it can cause shame around food and blah 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 and like i understand you're trying to get her to eat thank you for trying to help we would prefer if in this situation you framed it like this and then give her an example that can also feel 
especially if you grew up in a house where like you don't talk back to your parents, you don't argue with your parents, like parents are always right, children are always wrong, that can be wildly triggering to try and like that and that like disloyal feeling of I need I'm going to tell my mom or my dad like don't talk to my kid that way. Here's how but I would that rather is, you said that to my child. Yeah. But that is the role that you have graduated into when you when you are when you become a parent is you are now these like you are responsible for what for what happens to your child or for how your child is treated. And obviously we're not, you can't follow them around everywhere and go to school with them or whatever. And, but, but when you are shaping the way that the people that child is constantly exposed to are speaking and teaching them, like you, you're there as a referee, you're there to, to guide people on how you are raising that child. Yep. Yep. Doing more guiding. That's, that's really interesting that, uh, you know, we sometimes we're not even aware of what's in our basement. The stuff you get from your mm-hmm. parents, right, you know, it's in your parents' basement is is slowly being transferred to your child's basement. <laughs> and, right? and it may be something big like a beating or, you know, some horrible witnessing event. And, uh, you know, uh, or it can be something very small, like you're talking about, like just a way of speaking, uh, you know, racism, a way of speaking about other people or groups or very small, you know, it goes, it, it can go down. I can imagine that that goes down communicating attitudes and, and stuffing stuff in your kid's basement goes down to very, uh, very innocuous I feel stupid complaining about this, but here's how I want you to say this. And the mindfulness would be so useful in, you know, keeping your cool, retraining the grandparents to parent different, or at least grandparent different, as well as manage your own and manage your kids. And, oh, my God, the the whole mindfulness thing and uh, parenting, I'm just, uh, it's kind of opening things up for me here. That's that's so applicable to everything. Wow. Yeah, just raising that awareness, I think, is huge. And I think that, like, I'm, I'm kind of, like, thinking about it for myself, that those ex- those referee examples are real and yeah. very, um, very uncomfortable. Yeah. But actually, worse, I think it's more painful when you're the bad guy. Like, you're repeating mm. it, even if it's not yeah. your values, it's not yeah. what you believe in, but yeah. you're just like, I'm finding myself completely doing this thing that caused me so much pain. And that's like the really hard one. Yes. The, oh, that's the my, it's thing. like your parents' the voice pain. is coming out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, bleh, bleh, bleh. who was that? <laughs> exactly. exactly. Hey, honey, close the basement door. My basement's getting out. yes that happened the other day my son was just taking a long time in the shower and I was tired I just wanted him to get to bed and I just I was also like cranky and I was just like get out of the shower like like, no sugar and he goes to me and he starts crying this is like he's sensitive and he goes like sure 
said I was a bad boy. And I was like, <laughs> I never said you were bad. Like, I that's like against everything I believe yeah. in. But you're here <laughs> in my phone, like, like I'm annoyed with you right now. <laughs> like, get out. And it's just so like painful. Like it crushed me that like he was like, Why did you say I was a bad boy? And I was like, <laughs> You're not. I'm just tired. Well, we, so, so we are kind of doing that. When we snap at somebody, we're not yeah. using the words bad boy, but we are communicating that, you know, That's whatever bad boy means, you know, we are unhappy with you or what yeah. your behavior or whatever. So that's, I mean, that's actually really perceptive for him to make that jump there. You know, it's heartbreaking, but very perceptive. He's very, very. Every parent does it. You know, you can't. I mean, life, life happens, and sometimes there's just not time for. You know, it's like I need something to happen now. (laughs) Yeah. Well, another thing, my husband has been. Oh, go on. That's. I was just gonna say those. That's. That's another. That's one of those moments, though, in parenting. Like, it's gonna happen. You're gonna get tired. You're. So those moments are gonna happen. And the important thing there is that you did then say, I'm so tired. You're not a bad boy. I'm sure you even said, I'm sorry I spoke to you that way. Like, I needed you to get out of the shower and I was frustrated. And it's not okay for me to talk to you like that, right? So that when they're in relationships in the future, um, like, and you're allowed to be annoyed too. That's the other thing is mama is annoyed Mama is so tired, um, and I. But I shouldn't have acted like that towards you. Like right. my feeling, mm-hmm. like you're allowed mm-hmm. to have your feelings, but you're not allowed to act however you want to act. And by doing that with him, um, he's going to be able to do that in the future. With if he does something, um, or he messes That's up right. towards he something learns. with you, like yeah. the first time, and it, it may have already happened, but that that your kid looks at you and goes, "I'm sorry, I'm so tired. I didn't mean that." Or what, like whatever. Oh my God. The, the level of like, like crying and like sad that you were like, Oh my God, I went against my own values in that yeah. moment will be reflected in like the heart spring overflowing joy of when your child reflects back to you, the ability to apologize and take accountability. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say along those same lines, like my husband is very much into because he tends to be the more reactive person Mm. parent um he's also so much better at making like repair like what you're describing Mm. and he so he's often in the case of being like i'm sorry i shouldn't have yelled and he still like carries feelings about it but that repair is so like i can see how healing it is for kids and i remember when i was a kid I remember the instances where my parents apologized to me yep. like with crisp detail. Like I remember yep. it so clearly because it was very meaningful to me. Yeah. Um, so I think that's right. I think that's part of this process is modeling that too. Yeah. Yeah. Any kind of discipline, you know, is better with some kind of restitution, you yes. know, making up and, and some, and certainly taking accountability, you know, for your own actions and saying, yeah, I, I realize letting, I guess that is that a form of validation? You know, I realize I screwed up. I shouldn't have yelled at it's you. Accountability. Here's why. Mea culpa, you know. Yeah. That's yeah. all good. Yeah. And seeing that in little kids, that's great. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Mindfulness is my. So what is mindfulness? Mindful. I mean, being, being self-aware, thoughtfulness. I'm. I'm here. I have all kinds of words bouncing around when we talk about mindfulness and then its application here. I'm yeah. saying, well, you know, you could call mindfulness all. It could go by all kinds of names in these different mm-hmm. situations. Yes, I think that's right. Um, I think the classical from the Buddhist tradition, what the word mindfulness is, it's a, it's a flooding of awareness of hmm. what you're doing when you're doing it. So that's okay. why meditation is a form of mindfulness because you're trying to be present and to bring awareness into that moment. Um, but it could also be the things exactly what we're talking about. Like, are you bringing awareness into your activity or are you just kind of on autopilot, whatever yeah. it is? I like I that. Love- that's very that's very uh that's very revealing to me. I think of mindfulness as like you were saying, you know, okay, I have a an hour a day I go meditate, I burn incense, I whatever gets me in the frame of into flow, get it gets me into the frame of mind. And there's real life, you know, that doesn't always happen. But the uh, applying that to something I can do in karate, you know, there were people who would do who would compete and would do their kata very smoothly, kind of like Tai Chi, not like I'm going to break your arm. And yes. I, re- I remember talking to the instructor going, I think I could take her. What's, what am I missing here? You know, mm-hmm. it's just black, there was this well-respected black belt lady doing this. And he, and he looked at me and shook it. He said, she would eat you alive. She's done <laughs> explained to me that she was, she was doing a, doing it meditatively you know, yes. and that that was a style that I was not acquainted with yet. You know, it was kind of a pat on the head. It's like, yeah, don't pull yourself, like, buddy. Oh. Uh, she's she's doing it. She's past breaking bones, and she's doing it meditatively yeah. now. You know, mm-hmm. and so, you know, which you know, you can just do anything meditatively or mindfully. That's, right. that's that's very that's very revealing to me. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. And to current and when you do that. It's- like, you know, we, you just like life comes more into relief. Like you're in mm. your life rather than thinking about it or alienated from it or, you know, worrying about something in the future, the past. It's just, you're, you're in it. Yeah. You're experiencing it. Something I remember from when I was younger is that there would be a lot of, um, like big experiences that it was like, you just got to like get ready, get it together and do the thing. And then I would reflect later. So it was like, I would experience it after the fact mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in like my memory, instead of actually being fully present in the moment mm-hmm. when it was happening. Yeah, easier to focus and later. Yeah. It would happen mm-hmm. with like good things, but it would also happen with really bless you. It would happen with really um, hard things. Like uh, I was 17 when I got cancer um, and I went through and everyone was, everyone always would make comments about like, like, Oh, you're just such like a positive, like positive light through this. And you're just keep, you know, you're just like so strong and um, this and that and the other. And most, mostly, you know, it was people who weren't, seeing the dark, hard stuff, the the Mm -hmm. moments, the ugly Mm -hmm. moments, but it was also, and I took it, you know, 
as encouragement and a compliment. But then about six months later, after it was all over and I had gone off to college, about six months later, I came home for Christmas break and had a complete fucking breakdown. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And it was, I, I had hosted a party in my basement, um, unbeknownst to my mother and um which was my don't, don't that was my thing <laughs> that was my thing back then um and I mean she knows now but um and I <laughs> was drinking and um and went up to the to go to the bathroom and just it was like it was like the 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 reality of cancer can kill you hit me mm-hmm. I literally went upstairs to pee And I was like with my friend, you know, I was like just completely not thinking about that. Went upstairs to pee and I looked in the mirror. This is what triggered it. And I had taken my wig off and gotten my first pixie haircut after my hair started to grow back. And I looked in the mirror at my new haircut drunk. Mm -hmm. And it was this like, it was like this realization of what I had actually gone through. Yeah. Yeah. And I lost my mind. Now, some of that is like you were 17, you had other things going on. Like, but I literally, it was like four or five months of treatment. And I was just like, like, life is just, we're just going to keep going. We're just going to integrate this. We're just going to keep trying to keep things as normal as possible. And, um, and just like, yeah, you have to go for the weekend for chemotherapy and then it's, and then we're going to be sick for a while and then we're going to go back to school and like keep up on your homework and this. And all I could think about was my hair is falling out and I needed to maintain my GPA to be valedictorian. Mm. That's all I was thinking about. I wasn't thinking about that. I wasn't processing the fact that like cancer could kill you. (laughs) You know, that that sounds very wise to me. Like something in your body knew that that was not the, the, the time or the place to be mm. processing that right now. Like mm-hmm, you need resources mm-hmm. to get through that. Yeah. And I think that sounds like incredibly like that your body was doing something really wise by not letting that come to the surface at that time. Yeah. Something to focus on besides the fear and the uncertainty and all that of, you know, something to make the one foot in front of the other day by day, this should pass. Yeah, how does that relate to mindfulness? I mean, you're in the middle of it. You're plodding through it, getting yeah. through the stuff, keeping the fear at bay. It's not in. It's not bliss. It's not nirvana. You right. know, but that sounds kind of like a form of another form, another word for mindfulness too. Being in the moment, bring bringing awareness into your current activity. That's right. I think it's. It's similar to what I said before about how there's a, I think the ultimate purpose of mindfulness or this path of awakening is about um, being with what is. Mm. And in this case, and this happens all the time with my clients and with people that I'm working with, where they're Mm -hmm. like, I feel I'm going through something or at this point, like I'm trying to feel my feelings, but I feel really numb or I feel really disconnected. Yeah. And that too, it like, can you accept that too? Can you be yeah. like open to being shut off? Okay. And that, even that you can 
like hold with love and with care that this is what your system needs right now. And if you can really like give that the time and love and space, then your numbness will eventually, as it did for you, it will eventually crumble and you will have the fourth, the feelings because we all do, but it, your body knew that it was a safer time after it it sounds like it was done. Yeah. I've got I've I've got the room to think about it and appreciate it now. Hmm. Right. That almost sounds like I'm sorry, Jen. I'm doing too much talking this time. The like the witness we talk <laughs> about, we talk about um, in the middle of your emotions, right? You're there. It sounds like there's a a very uh, there's two pieces of you of your mind going at the same time. There's the there's the part that's being mindful. Right. which I, I guess is the rational part or something, and, you know, so you're kind of looking at your emotions and, and, and fear and whatever you're, whatever you're going through, depression, sadness, and, uh, and using the mindfulness, using the mind to kind of deal with the emotions. I never heard it put quite so much like there were, there were really two pieces of your brain going on there before. And sometimes more than two. And the, <laughs> the like holding of it all, the best way I've heard it described for me, though it's a really helpful way to describe it for me, is like imagining that you can touch into, that you are a part of like the, the bottom of an ocean. And okay. the, if, when you can kind of touch that part of any moment, then you're also the whole top of the ocean, like where there's waves and there's ups and there's downs. But if you can access that big vastness, that's deep, mm-hmm. deep, deep, that is not troubled by what's happening up top, you all know, right. that it can hold all of it, then, then you're, you know, like that's what real presence feels like. And it's not just like small you, it's like the you that is connected to the whole world. It's kind of a continuum. It's not. Um, it's not two parts of your brain. It's it's an infinite. It's against gray infinite. shades of gray, shades of depth. Hmm. That's right. Hmm. It's almost like a slowing or a stilling of your mind, and yeah, like and your and just. I'm having so many thoughts at once right now. It just feels <laughs> yeah, very, yeah. the bottom of the ocean feels very still and quiet yes. um, and peaceful. And you don't have to do anything. You can just observe right. and hold. Exactly. And I think that's where a lot of people, when they, they, they come to me and they're like, I tried meditating, but I couldn't quiet my mind or I couldn't stop thinking. And if you think about yeah. it like the ocean, it's like the ocean's not trying to stop the waves up at the yeah. top. You don't have to stop your mind from thinking. Yeah. You just have to unblend yourself from the thoughts and get yes. down deep into that d- the depths. And then whatever happens up there happens up there. It doesn't matter. You yeah. know, you're, you're like able to hold all of it. I love that. You... um a little while ago, you said the phrase, um, mothering is the practice. Um, parenting is the practice right now in this, in this season of life. Um, and I wanted to circle back to that because I, I think that that can be really helpful for, for our audience, uh, to reframe 
the who I was before I was a parent and the who I am after, like, you're not meant to be the same person. First of all, you have a parent has been born just as children are born. You are now a different version of yourself in this new season of life. Um, and the, and some of these practices, these mindfulness meditation or like whatever, whatever modalities, um, resonate with, with you, like let the practice be your, like be your parenting, um, Mm. like sink into that. And like you said, like accept what is, Mm -hmm. accept what is lower the your resistance to it and let that be the practice. And in any given moment, like the practice is, are you the tree in the wind for in your children are the wind, by the way, (laughs) can you be the tree in the wind? Like you are the adult, you have the experience and you are the capable one in the house. Mm. Can you, can you take that role? Can you step into that? Um, And that doesn't mean you're perfect or any, you know. What about households where the parent is the wind? Yeah, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. And the child hasn't learned to to sink deep roots, you know, to get it. Yeah, there, that's, there's just all kinds of twists and turns to that. Don't yeah. be the wind. I also want to add one more thing, though, which is that I think that in these situations where you are the tree, sometimes you also need to be like the tree for yourself. It's almost like mm-hmm. even if you have a child... Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. another baby in the room with you that mm-hmm. you have to equally take care of, which is the one that's oh, inside that's totally triggered. Yes. And so, so both of those are true. Like, yes, don't do I'm, that to your kid. But the only way you can sometimes not do that to your kid is if you're also taking care of the other kid. Yes. The inner I kid. suddenly want to yes. take some mushrooms or some LSD. This is starting to sound <laughs> to me kind of like the uh, you take these drugs and suddenly I am the universe, you know, that, that that all encompassing uh, consciousness awareness thing. This is starting to touch on for me. That's That's great. I'd be good to do it without the drugs, you know, be able to do it driving down the road too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or like in a, in a tantrum. Lots to think about out there, parents. I wish I, again, I wish I'd have known this like 50 years ago. (laughs) Right. Um, You're here now. I wasn't yeah, born in you New were York. Meant I, to... I should have been in New York. <laughs> we, uh, Yael, I know that you have, um, you have to get going. And um, is there, is there anything that we haven't touched on um, that is super important to yourself or your business or any any final words that you want to share? Um, no, I think I've enjoyed this so much. And I really think the name of the game is just kind of compassion for ourselves as parents and for the the children we were and carrying around still. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think like, if this practice is interesting to you, and you want to learn more about it, I would love you to reach out to me and, um, and join my programs tell everybody where they can stuff find in the you. description yeah 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 you can find me at yaelshy.com um or 
in the show notes here and or on Instagram at Yael Shy number one. Awesome. The number one. Beautiful. Excellent. And I uh, I just want to remind everybody, so all of Yael's information will be in the show notes as well. Um, and we do have our Patreon, Patreon live. Uh, we have the $5, $7, and $11 tiers. Um, the $5 tier is a live shout-out on the show. The, uh, the $7 tier, we actually have our first mini episode um, from last week that we, uh, it's about a 25-minute episode um, that'll be going into the $7 and $11 access area. Um, and then the upgrade to the $11, I haven't added a third thing yet, but we're, we'll get there. We're going to add some, maybe some live uh, opportunities where me and dad go live and you guys can ask us questions. So five, seven and $11 tiers for Patreon donations. And you can find Yael in the show notes. You can find me in the show notes, um, whatever kind of help and coaching you are looking for. And, um, yeah, thank you so much for being here. Yael. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it was so much you. fun. Great to meet you. Great to hear yeah. you talk. <laughs> too. Thank you. Such a pleasure. Thank you. All right. Bye everybody. Bye. Thank you. If someone came to mind while you were listening to this episode, or you are wishing you had a friend to digest it with, I would be so honored if you shared this link from this episode with them. I myself have always benefited from community and sharing, and I truly believe that it takes a village to raise a child. Our society has become so independent from one another, and parenting these days is often a lonely journey. But it doesn't have to be that way. That's why I'm here. If you have been seeking a more intentional approach to parenting, but you aren't sure where to start, I would love to hear from you. You can find me and all of my offerings at www.jennyb.co and come follow me on all major social media platforms. It fills my heart to hear your stories, where you come from, and your big goals for raising the next generation. And don't forget, comment your parenting question on our YouTube channel, The Relational Parenting Podcast to get it answered on one of our future episodes. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit the subscribe button so you never miss out. I am so grateful that you are here. And always remember, you are never alone. I'll see you next week.